Hey, this is Austin McCormick, and I want to welcome you to the second episode of the Context is Key podcast. Many of you may know me, and some of you may not know me, but uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself for the sake of introducing this podcast. I am a youth pastor in Louisiana. I am originally from Southwest Missouri. I love sports, and I specifically love Duke basketball. Uh, Many of you may not know this about me, but I like to stay up with current events. I do not consider myself a professional, but I really enjoy politics. And if you have been paying attention to the news lately, you have noticed that there is a a heated political controversy regarding the nomination of a new Supreme Court justice. The nomination of Supreme Court justices in our country are important because Supreme Court judges serve lifelong sentences and they often make decisions that affect our everyday lives. Supreme Court judges are appointed by the president, but the Senate must approve the president's nominee. There are basically two different types of Supreme Court judges. One type of justice believes in a living constitution. They believe that the constitution is an evolving document and that we should take into account the culture, current events, and circumstances while interpreting the words of the Constitution. This type of interpretation takes other things into account besides the Constitution. The second type of Supreme Court justice holds to a strict construction. They are known for interpreting the Constitution based on its language alone. This type of Supreme Court justice takes the words of the Constitution very literally. This person believes that the words to the Constitution of the United States do not change. I want to tell you that we need to hold fast to a strict construction of the Bible. God's Word does not change. The meaning of God's Word is not dependent upon emotion, culture, or circumstances. The words written in the Bible are the words from God himself and are absolute truth. We need to interpret the Bible based upon its language alone. The Bible is literally God's word. The Bible has no mistakes in it at all. The Bible does not have the ability to have mistakes. If we think there are any mistakes in the Bible, it is because we have misinterpreted, not because God messed up. All scripture from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21 is inspired by God. The Bible is nothing but profitable for the Christian. With all that said, the main passage that I'm going to be looking at today is Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. I want to give a major disclaimer for all the people out there listening to the Context is Key podcast. I am not going to be getting into eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. I am not going to be talking about a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture. I'm not going to be talking about premillennialism, amillennialism, or postmillennialism. I'm not going to be getting into the symbolism or the prophecies concerning future events, but rather I am going to be examining a specific context in the book of Revelation. If you take a macro view at the book of Revelation, you can really divide this book into three major parts. The first division of this book is chapter 1 of Revelation, and it can be titled, A Vision of the Glorified Christ. The second major division in the book of Revelation is from the first verse of chapter 2 to the last verse of chapter 3. This second division in the book of Revelation can be titled, A Message to the Churches. The last division deals strictly with the unveiling of future things to come. 
there are a plethora of different views about how these events are going to happen. And since I'm not going to be in the eschatological portion of the book of Revelation, I'm not going to worry about it in this podcast. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 is a verse that commonly gets taken out of context by a lot of people. Paige Patterson, the former professor of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, writes in the New American Commentary, verse 20 might qualify as the most misused verse in the entire New Testament. Patterson also writes, This verse has been preached innumerable times as an evangelistic text. The main point that Patterson is trying to make is that the audience in which Jesus is speaking to is the church in Laodicea. Many people manipulate this passage to make the passage say something that it is not truly saying. If you take a micro view of the verse and pericope that I have chosen, you will notice that this verse falls under the category of a message to the churches. The specific context that we will be examining are verses 14 through 22 of chapter 3. They read, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Once again, from a macro perspective, in this passage, the Lord Jesus is sending a message to seven churches telling them that he knows their works. The Lord Jesus can see the good that the church is doing, but he also rebukes the wrongdoing of the church. He tells the church that they must repent. This obviously means that saved, born-again Christians will sin every once in a while. In this process, the Holy Spirit progressively makes us more like Christ until we die, at which point we become glorified. Before sanctification and glorification occur, we must first be justified. In verses 14 through 22, Jesus is teaching the church their wrongdoing. Notice they're part of the church. They have already been ju justified. They have already been justified. Whenever people use verse 20 as a way to evangelize, they are twisting the scripture to make it say something that it is not truly saying. I know a lot of people that do this out of ignorance, but I've heard of preachers that have been told the truth of this context and they respond by saying, I know I'm wrong, but it works whenever you're trying to get people saved. I know that the original Greek manuscripts were not written in red letter whenever Jesus spoke. But if you have a red letter edition Bible, you will notice that this entire pericope is red letter. The first point that I would like to make is that the audience to whom Jesus is speaking to in verse 20 is revealed firstly in verse 14. I know I hit on this a little earlier, but I did not mention the specific church. Verse 14 indicates that this message is for the church in Laodicea. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means church, the church, assembly, or local congregation. 
This message is directly focused toward the local church in Laodicea. In the New Testament, the local church consists of saved Christians who have made a public profession of faith and who have been baptized. This is who the message in verse 20 is directed towards. Whenever the Bible reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is speaking to a church. That means the audience he is speaking to consists of saved people. If you didn't catch that Jesus is speaking to the church from verse 14, then hopefully you will observe that Jesus is speaking to the church from verse 22. Listen to this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 22 is reiterating that this message is being spoken to to born-again Christians who have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's stop for a moment and break down this message a little further. This message is given to the churches. In Ephesians 5.25, the Bible says that the Lord loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you examine the verse right before our emphasis verse for this podcast, that is Revelation 3.20, you will notice similar language. In verse 19, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice earlier that Ephesians 5.25 says that Jesus loved the church. And now we have similar language in Revelation uh, 3.19. It says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous, therefore, and repent. In this context, the audience whom Jesus loves is the church. Since Jesus loves the church, he reproves her and disciplines her whenever she is doing wrong. Jesus knows what is best for the church, and that's what this context is speaking. Jesus is telling the church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Many people quickly read this verse and then change it to, Christ is knocking on the door of your heart, and he wants to come in and give you salvation if you'll just open that door for him. While Christ is standing at the door and he is knocking in this passage, this passage says nothing about a heart. Where is the word heart at in Revelation 3.20? John MacArthur, in his commentary of Revelation, writes, The door on which Christ is knocking is not the door to a single human heart, but to the Laodicean church. Christ was outside this apostate church and wanted to come in, something that could only happen if the people repented. Jesus is not speaking to lost people, but Jesus is speaking to save people who are out of the will of God. The next part of Revelation 3.20 reads, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. If you interpret this passage as Jesus speaking to a Christian who needs to repent, then it would make more sense to understand after the Christian repents, they are in fellowship with God. Jesus promises that he will come in and eat with them. Food happens in the Bible during fellowship through the bread. Baptists specifically know that food is always associated with fellowship. If a Christian will repent and welcome the presence of God back into their lives, God will not forsake them, and that's what this passage is teaching. This teaching also affirms the biblical doctrine of the progressive work of sanctification in the life of the believer that I mentioned earlier. Throughout these podcasts, I want to stress that context is key. Revelation 3.20 is not a verse that we should use to witness to lost people, but rather to help saved Christians who are out of the will of God. Revelation 3.20 says nothing at all about a heart. Revelation 3.20 is addressed specifically to the church in Laodicea. God is tired of their lukewarmness and wants them to repent and turn to him. All of this is easier to understand with context. That is why context is key.
I want to thank you for listening to the second episode of the Context is Key podcast. Thank you for being patient with me as I release these episodes. I know that they're not on a specific set date, so thank you for just sticking in there with me. If you've listened this long, I want to give you a few updates concerning the podcast that I think are going to be better as we move forward in the future. The first update is that since from the first episode of the Context is Key podcast into the second episode of the Context is Key podcast, I've actually upgraded microphones, so hopefully as the listener, the quality of these podcasts should start to sound a lot better. The second update I want to bring to you is that I have learned from trial and error a mistake that I was making. In the first episode of the Context is Key podcast, I failed to cite any of my resources that I used in the first episode. So from now on, I'm going to be citing my resources in the description area of all of the podcast updates from this point going forward to the future. I'm also really excited to bring forth the news that the Context is Key podcast has been approved to uh, be listened to on the iTunes network. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I would ask that you would please comment or share or subscribe to the podcast through the iTunes network. What that does is brings more uh, traffic to my podcast. If people mention the podcast, then it makes the iTunes directory more available to uh, search for the Context is Key podcast. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please just hit like, subscribe, or comment, or do whatever the podcast allows for you to do. If you've listened to this on Podbean, uh, I want to thank you for downloading that app because I know a lot of people don't even have that app. For more information concerning the Context is Key podcast, follow me on Twitter at broaustin7. You can also follow me on Instagram at McCormick, or add me as a friend on Facebook where I will be posting the link to these podcasts. These podcasts will be available through Podbean and iTunes. For any more questions concerning the Context is Key podcast, feel free to ask me at any time. I want to thank you again for listening today and may the Lord be with you.